Hi, I'm Tyler Boss, one of the narrators on the Abide app, a premium ad-free biblical meditation experience. Join the millions of people who download the Abide app to reduce stress, improve sleep, and experience the peace of God every day. You can text the word PEACE to 22433 for a seven-day free trial of Abide. Just text PEACE to 22433, and you'll likely hear from me again on the app as I guide you through daily meditations or help you fall asleep and experience the peace of God. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Today on the Huddle Up Draft podcast, Carl and Nick discuss the latest signings by the Denver Broncos and how it will affect John Elway as he builds the Broncos back up and how he attacks the upcoming NFL Draft. This is the Huddle Up Draft podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up draft style. I am your host, Carl Dumbler, and with me, as always, I have my co-host and good friend, Nick Kendall. Nick, how are you doing, man? I know you just got back from vacation in sunny Florida. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I got back pretty late last night, so work was a little bit rough today. I was not as productive as I had probably should have been, but that's okay. You know, just getting back into the swing of things, and Florida was good. It's the Emerald Coast. You're on Okaloosa Island right off Fort Walton and Destin, and beautiful, beautiful area, like white sand and... They call it the Emerald Coast for a reason. The water is beautiful, but it, unfortunately, it was a little chilly. I'm not going to complain too much because, I mean, I was in Florida and it was 55 to 65 degrees and it was about 30 degrees back home, but I wish I could have had a little bit better weather, but what can you do? It's uh, from covering the combine to getting to go to Florida, I guess I'm going to have to put a little bit of work in both at the hospital and with the draft coming up now and uh, get back in the swing of things. That's right. We're a month and a half away from the draft. How crazy is that? I wish it was Very excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'd be nice to, to have some questions answered, but we're, we're going to talk about some of those questions today on the, the Huddle Up 2018 draft show. As all of you know, this show focuses on all things pertain to your Denver Broncos as it relates to the upcoming NFL draft. With Nick and myself being Draftaholics, we'll be bringing you fresh insight and analysis each and every week in every single episode, from scouting reports, player value, scheme, and personnel fits, and general draft-related banter. You can follow myself on Twitter at CarlDumblerMHH, as well as follow Nick at NickKindleMHH, and you can be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have, because we live for talking Bronco and draft football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod. And make sure you check out ours and our co-writers' written content at milehighhuddle.com, a part of scout.com, an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football, draft, and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So as a call to action, please go take the time to go to iTunes or Spreaker 
and rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. Well, Nick, I don't think we could have a a draft or Bronco related podcast without talking about the quarterback and the Broncos went out and, and mile high huddle. We've been saying this for a very long time, or at least especially the last couple of weeks that the quarterback for the Broncos was going to be case Keenum. So now that it's actually official, that it's actually happened. How do you feel about case Keenum being the, the Broncos quarterback, possibly the starter this upcoming year? When the Broncos first signed him, I was definitely disappointed. I was, I felt like at the time, Case Keenum, for what I thought he was going to get, you know, this is his big chance to make as much money as he can. I wouldn't have faulted him for getting as much long-term guaranteed money as possible. And when I first saw he was announced as a signing, I thought, oh man, Broncos just paid 18 to 20 million a year for four plus seasons of Case Keenum. La-di-da, here we go. Fortunately, it looks like this deal is much more of a Mike Glennon type of deal. Not sure the exact guaranteed amount yet or what the how that cap it's going to be the first year. I've heard 13 to 14 million, but it does not look too bad. And all in all, he's said and done all the right things. And with Kirk Cousins getting that huge deal, and then honestly, the nail in the coffin, seeing what Sam Bradford got from the. <laughs> I was about to say that. Yeah, this uh, twenty million dollars of the twenty million option next year and fifteen million guaranteed. Uh, holy moly, that is absolutely disgusting. So I, I don't, I don't hate it. I think that for me though, it's the grade is going to be dependent on what the Broncos do in the draft. Because for me, I know I was listening to the podcast that Chad put up yesterday about free agency. You know, he says that the Broncos, he thinks that they're not going to take a quarterback at five, and I think Keenum is the the ultimate bridge guy. You know, he's definitely knows what it means to be a backup he's a smart guy he seems like a charismatic guy he knows the league he's been around a few different teams and the deal just screams to me perfect bridge quarterback where you know worst case scenario for him I guess is that a rookie comes in and beats him and he's the backup guy and the Broncos aren't on what is it potentially seven million guaranteed next year or something like that so he, he seems like the perfect bridge quarterback and is Definitely an antithesis of Paxton Lynch as well. You know, he's not the super toolsy guy, but does a good job making the reads before the snap, you know, getting rid of the ball. The Minnesota offensive line was not great last year. They were improved. They are a little bit better than the Broncos. I think they were one spot ahead of them, according to Pro Football Focus. The Vikings were ranked 22 to the Broncos 23 as far as offensive lines. But Keenum was one of the better quarterbacks last year under pressure. Now, that partially is because he had some damn good weapons. Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, and let's not forget Kyle Rudolph, who's a really good underappreciated tight end. But I think it's it's a good get, and the devil's in the details. You know, we'll see what the contract is specifically, but once the deal is announced, it's a two-year deal, you know, not super expensive, and seems like it's something the Broncos could potentially get out of or potentially even trade in the offseason if something help, happens that way because, you know, somebody's going to have some demand for a quarterback like that, you know, especially the Broncos have some uh, – roster bonuses so his contract's going to be a little bit lower so overall I'd, I'd give it a b but the grade is not complete yet it definitely depends on what the broncos do in the draft if they can complement keenum with a young franchise quarterback yeah i'm i'm with you on all of that i i'm maybe a little bit higher on keenum as a player than you are i think he can be a very quality starter for the broncos and i went back and watched a lot of his games because I, I had this preconceived idea in my head that a lot of his 
a lot of his success was more about the people around him than it was about him. And the more I watch, the more I'm just going, man, this guy, he was part of the reason that offense was successful. Like you said, that offensive line was not great. I've heard some people say, oh, man, now that he's gotten away from Minnesota, he'll go back to the old Keenum. Well, again, it wasn't like he was surrounded by I mean, he had he had talent, like you said, at the weapons positions. He had wide receivers. He had a tight end running backs wise. He had some decent talent there as well. But it's not like he's coming to Denver without some talent where you have DT, you have Sanders. We're hoping that butt can be something. I mean, we haven't seen it yet. We still have the thousand yard rusher on the team and CJ Anderson. And I think with Keenum's deal, there is a possibility that CJ Anderson is still on this team come September. Just kind of, kind of seems that way. He, I keep thinking of with Anderson back to when uh, we missed out on Brock Osweiler. I say missed out, but it wasn't really that big of a miss out. But anyway, because we didn't put all that money towards Brock Osweiler, that meant we could keep other players. Well, because we didn't put money towards Kirk Cousins, maybe there's some guys that might stay that otherwise would have gone. So we'll, we'll kind of see how that goes. But I, I don't think this situation coming to, to Denver from Minnesota is going to be such a drastic change, at least in, in the talent pool that he's going to be surrounded by. And so I, I think he can come here. He can have success. I think there's things about his game that translate so much better. He's not Trevor Simeon. He's not going to curl up in the fetal position when somebody's in his face. In fact, that's kind of what he almost prefers, it seems like. There's almost times where he holds on to the ball as long as he possibly can to wait for somebody to get open. That, that was maybe my, my one big critique of him is that he, he tries to be a little bit too much of a hero. There's times where maybe he should throw it away. But anyway, just as a, as a person, I think he's going to fit in well with the Broncos culture. I think he's one of those guys that still has a lot to, lot to prove, but I also think he's one of those guys that kind of uses that to fuel him. So for the Broncos, I'm, I'm excited to see it. I, I think, like I said, it gave them a lot of options. I think that's the big thing that you can say with this signing is the Broncos can go in a lot of different directions of how they want to build this team. And I'm with you. Uh, And this was kind of our next topic was what, what does this mean for the first round? Does signing Keenum mean that the Broncos won't take a quarterback at five or even try to trade up, trade down? What, what do you, the, the the questions are, what do you think they're going to do? And you'd kind of said, do you think that they're still going to take quarterback or that they should take quarterback, right? I think that they would be wise to do it for a number of reasons. Number one, you are not committed to Keenum long-term at all. You know, you're not paying him four or five years, which means that you are stuck if things go wrong. And also this is a class where there are some quality quarterbacks at the top. You know, that's not the case every year. If it was the year where, you know, you had Winston and Mariota or Goff and Wentz, Broncos are going to have to move up to one or two to go get that guy. Luckily this, year there are three or four guys that many are considering as viable franchise quarterbacks you know there's guys like Lamar Jackson which I've heard the Broncos are not as high on you know potentially that running quarterback you know that's there's some sustainability issues there and then you know that second tier with Mason Rudolph and Kyle Oletta but as much as we hate or let's not hate him but as much as we are lukewarm on Josh Allen there are teams that like him some teams I've heard have him as the number one quarterback Baker Mayfield who's somebody the Broncos have been linked to heavily and Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold, Broncos are picking five. 
They have the ammo to go be aggressive, and it just it just fits up too perfectly. Especially you know today Von Miller's contract where they're spreading it out. You know that signing bonus kicked in, and they're lowering the cap hit this year. It's raising the cap hit later, Set, setting it up perfectly for the Broncos to potentially have the roster structure and the payroll structure set up for a rookie quarterback. And after Keenum's two years, you know you, that gives you a lot of options. And I think the Keenum two years thing is perfect too. It's not the one year. Josh McCown, Teddy Bridgewater kind of thing where you're taking a quarterback and you're hoping they can come out and play year one. Obviously, if you take a guy in the top five, you hope they can play year one, but you're not you're not married to that. So that opens the door for Josh Allen, I think. That opens the door for Sam Darnold. Both guys, I think, would do well sitting at, at least the first half of the season. And then you got guys like Baker Mayfield, a little bit more of a wild card that I think could probably play day one, but given his his offense he played in and the difference between the big 12 to the NFL and playing under center. I think he probably doesn't start day one. And then Josh Rosen who would come in and push and probably I think would be Keenum day one. So it gives the Broncos a lot of options at the top. And again, you don't pick five every year. You don't have this many quarterbacks at the top of this quality every year. Cash in, go get that guy. And as I always said, he's not done swinging and missing. Well, he's got a chance at four different pitches here. He better swing and hit on one of them. It's my opinion. And if all four of them go before the Broncos pick, I'm going to be pretty devastated. And then, you know, you got a chance at Quentin Nelson, who I think they would take there. I'll, I don't think the Broncos are as interested in Saquon Barkley as the fans uh, would hope, unfortunately. Gary Kubiak's fingerprints are all over that. But, yeah, in my opinion, with Keenum's deal, the way it's set up, and the crop this year, and the picking at the top, and the Broncos having the assets to go make moves if they have to, it's just set up too perfectly for the Broncos to target that guy and hopefully walk away with a franchise quarterback at the top of this draft. Right. That, that was what I saw today, the restructuring of, of Von Miller's contract. That was the first thing I had somebody ask me about it. What do you think of this? And the first thing I said was, I think this means quarterback at five or four where, or three, wherever they got to trade up to, to do that. But when you put those, those bigger hits for Von Miller later in the contract, and you're trying to get a few more guys to add to the to the roster. I think you're trying to get a fuller roster so that when you go to the draft, you have that that flexibility to be able to go take a quarterback there at five and not feel like like you've hurt the val- or the the depth of your team. And uh, sorry to interrupt, but the not only are you putting those bigger cap hits later, but you're increasing the guarantees. So you're you're. I mean, it's not the worst to be stuck with Von Miller for sure, but I mean, you're stuck with him with this contract restructure. Right, right. They, they, they've married Von Miller even more than they were before, yes. if, that's, if that's possible, But it, which it is, obviously. So, yeah, I, I do. I think this is more of a you're going to take a quarterback because you're not going to be able to manipulate the cap as much moving forward. You're going to need a guy that's a lot more cap sensitive at a very expensive position. And, of course, the most expensive position that we're seeing already when $18 million is a discount for a quarterback these days that's that's where you're going you're gonna to look the most for a team. It's why you're seeing these teams that have those quarterbacks on rookie contracts that they're able to add a lot of talent around them. They're able to, to build. You're seeing Titans continue to have tons of draft cap room. You're seeing the, the Jaguars. They've been able to add a lot of different pieces. You know, you're just, you're seeing that these teams realize they have a lot of flexibility. And Eagles that's why- and Eagles and Rams are the big two right now. Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. They. I mean, that's why they're being able to add all these talented players and and take some chances, take some risks that other teams just can't because their quarterback is locked into a huge contract. This is why 
do you fight so hard to have your rookie quarterback work out? That's the finding the 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 unicorn in the NFL when you get your your rookie quarterback to play well and you can then surround them with tons of talent. That's your huge Super Bowl window. That's why I told Raiders fans that as soon as they paid Derek Carr and then had to play pay Khalil Mack, that their Super Bowl window didn't close, but it was much, much harder to build the team around those two. And we're seeing in the NFL, the more you can have a full roster like the Eagles last year, they lose their star quarterback, and yet they still win the Super Bowl because they have great depth throughout their entire roster. So, again, this is why it would be so important if they could get a Baker Mayfield or a Josh Rosen or a Sam Darnold, maybe a Josh Allen. Maybe he's going to turn into something. I, I still just I can't see it. But anyway, one of those top four guys, if the, one of them hit, the Broncos are set for a very, very nice window. And and so on that note, I guess, did, did you get to see any of Baker Mayfield's pro day yesterday? Yeah, I did watch some of it. I uh, got home really late last night, like I said, like one o'clock. And I was still wired on caffeine because I needed it to make the drive from the Quad Cities back to Iowa City. And I was like, you know what, I'll check in on Baker Mayfield's day. And he looked like he did pretty well. I, I guess it was a big trend on Twitter. I was trying to spend as little time on the, the phone yesterday as I could, but came out on that Karate Kid headband. <laughs> a lot of fun. Uh, he's, he, uh, he's, kind of a, he's, kind of, uh, he's kind of an oddball, I think. I don't know. Maybe, maybe him and I just wouldn't match up. He's a little bit, maybe he's a little bit too intense for me. But yeah. I can see why players would gravitate towards him because he is 100%, you know, energy all the time granted you know if he if he flops in the nfl or he kind of struggles i could see some teammates getting tired of that but if he's successful teammates are gonna freaking love him right so that's that's what i got from the interviews uh from the from the throwing i liked him ripping it down the field it looks he looked to have a pretty good arm and just some stuff that i noticed on tape as well you know on some of those 10 15 20 yard outs he has a little bit of a hitch in his delivery pulls it back just a little farther it's still quick but he has a little bit of elongated release when he has to do that and those those outs specifically outside or on the numbers or outside the numbers the ball's a little bit a little bit wobbly but again this is where the film room and the whiteboard sessions and just the film itself is so much more important than seeing these guys throw against air you know that's that's not the case josh allen against baker mayfield in the pro days and everything like that i mean there's no doubt josh allen's going to throw a tighter spiral and he's going to have more velocity on it. He's going to be bigger, everything like that. But that's that for me, especially after the Paxton Lynch debacle, I think we can call it that at this point. <laughs> that's not the most important thing. You got to have a guy who shows accuracy. You got to have a guy who shows the ability to go through progressions quickly and not only go through those progressions quickly, but make the correct decision. Obviously, very important. And that goes in hand in hand with making pre and post snap reads. And then finally, you got to have a guy that understands the type of throws that are needed and throwing with anticipation. You know, the NFL guys aren't going to be open. You got to throw guys open. You know, the windows are tighter and you just, there's, it's going to be tight coverage all the time. These guys are the best in the business. And so guys throwing against air, you know, you kind of get some feeling of what kind of throws they Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
winner. I can make it the NFL, but it's totally different than live bullets. So I'd much rather get them on the whiteboard and, you know, rely on the tape. So that's, that's what I would personally use. And I'm really upset that we can't bring these guys on the podcast and quiz them on the whiteboard and put them through the ringer ourselves. Cause you know, they're talking about all these pro days and the combine and everything, but the big, the biggest part yet besides the tape analysis for these teams and analyzing these quarterbacks and finding their guy is what they get from when they bring them into the facility. So when they bring Josh Rose into the facility, when they bring Baker Mayfield into the facility, have them in for a few hours, not only, you know, film sessions, whiteboard interviews, everything like that, but then throwing as well. I mean, that's, that's where these guys are going to really separate themselves and teams are going to not only find guys that they think fit their system, but also fit their coaches from like a personality standpoint and everything like that, which is very important. So I, I don't know. We'll see how it shakes out. We're not going to be there in Dove Valley. Unfortunately, you know, fly on the wall, what I would give to be able to sit in there and listen to the interviews and see how those guys do. We have some sources and get to hear from it secondhand, but that's, you know, that's different than actually being there. So I guess it's a little bit of hearsay that that'd be thrown out in court, but in an NFL draft podcast, we can, we can kind of go off that. Right. I, I think that's the, the biggest thing I've learned from my failure on Paxton Lynch is just how important that whiteboard work is, how important it is of how committed they are going to be to learning the playbook, putting, the, putting in the extra hours. Did you get to watch the, I think it was, was it Jack, Zach Strafe? Yeah. For the, uh, the saints. Yeah. Did you see his exit interview? I did, man. He was a, he loves that Drew Brees. Oh my goodness. And, and just, that's how you want your players to think of your quarterback. Not, hey, man, he's uh, playing video games all the time. I wish he would come and work on some film room, and I wish he wasn't the last one in the building and first one to leave. And you just have to have a guy that absolutely loves football. And I think that's my biggest thing with Baker Mayfield that I love is you can just absolutely tell he loves football. He... He has that attitude of, I will do everything possible not to lose because I hate losing with a passion. And so, you know, he puts in the extra time. I've, I've heard stories of things that he's done to help make sure to get he, that teammates get to practice on time or he'll drive out of his way to go pick them up every single day. He'll be there to help them out. He'll be there in his playbook all the time. He'd rather sit at home reading his playbook than he would to go out and party. Now, I mean, that wasn't always the case, but he's, he's learned that that's more of an important part of, of, his, of his game. So th- those are things that I really like to hear. But then also there's those times where he does something stupid and you're like, man, what are you doing? He'll get on Twitter and start a Twitter feud with somebody like he did with Mark Schlereth. I, I just there's times like that. I'm going, man, this guy, he's got some maturity issues. So you're going to have to deal with that. I, I think of maybe a lesser... Ben Roethlisberger of when he came to the, into the league because big Ben was very immature and he finally started getting it when, when he got married, that was when he started kind of calming down a little bit. So maybe Baker Mayfield just needs to go get married or something. (laughs) So ladies listening, you know, go, go, go talk to Baker Mayfield, see what you can do. Get this kid to calm down a bit, but no, that's just, uh, just some things about him that you're going to, you're going to have some good and some, some bad as well. And, and that's kind of all the quarterbacks. You, you have some, some red flags when it comes to them. And Josh Rosen, maybe some of the biggest false red flags, would you say? I, I would argue so. It really annoys me when I see people saying that he's an issue. And maybe it's because I kind of identify with Rosen. You know, I wouldn't say I'm as smart as him, but you know, definitely from where he's coming from, I feel like him and I would 
would vibe and hit it off. You know, he's kind of my type of personality. So that, that, I mean, again, it's gotta be your fit with your coaches and everything, but overall, I mean, what law did Josh Rosen ever break? You know, anything like that. He's, he's definitely a guy that I don't think is the, the puppet. Like that's why some teams really like Sam Darnold. Not that Sam Darnold's not authentic or anything, but he's very scripted all the time. Uh, politically correct sticks to the script where Josh Rosen, you can tell that he's, he's thinking, you know, he's, he's, he's authentically him. Same with Baker Mayfield. And, you know, that's not going to vibe with every single coach. It's not going to vibe with every single fan because he's going to speak his mind and being a, you know, California liberal who's done some political actions and outspoken about the environment and everything like that. I mean, that's in the political culture we're in today in the United States, that is something that's going to rub some people the wrong way, no matter what. But I st- still, I think you got to be able to separate that. And if you're counting out a guy because of that, or if you, you know, you think you have any sort of bias against him because of that, you need to check yourself. You know, I'm potentially, you know, and even if, if you don't like John Elway for the same reason, you know, that's, that's, you got to check that out the door. That's not what this is about. Right. So, um, it's, I think Josh Rosen, you know, he, he brought in a hot tub in his freshman year. whoop de doo The injury issues are the, the big thing. Like he's got to pass the medicals, but as far as personality, I think talking to his teammates, you know, I was talking to a couple of coaches at the combine and everything like that. I think that he has grown and he understands that he's got to be Josh Rosen, the quarterback, the leader, you know, he can't be, he can't act like Baker Mayfield because that's phony. Right. You know, like people, people will see through that. You know, if, if anybody gets to know you or be around you long enough and you're acting like somebody else, and then all of a sudden the chips are down and you, you know, crap the bed and you're totally somebody else. Like they're going to, that's going to be an issue. So he's got to be authentically him. And that's what he touched on a lot of the combine. And I, I'm buying it. You know, some people think Aaron Rodgers is a little bit aloof, a little bit different, but I, I think they're, they're very, very similar personality wise. I've heard that from a couple of people and I, I couldn't agree more. You know, they're, they're not the typical raw, raw guy, but they're going to put in the work. They're very intelligent. They're going to play off, you know, have fun with the media and challenge the coaches, which personally I love. That's, that's what I would be looking for in my quarterback. You know, he's the, he's the CEO type, like kind of like the Broncos had with uh, Peyton Manning, who's, you know, not always the, the rah-rah guy in the locker room, but he'll call you on it and he'll put in the work. So I'm, I'm still very much, as you can tell anybody listening, I'm still very much a a Rosen Brosen, but I just, uh, I don't know if he's going to be in the cards for the Broncos unless they are willing to trade up and potentially give up a 2019 first. And that's something that might be, a little bit too expensive for the Broncos, especially with a team like the Bills, who have a lot more ammo to move up. The Broncos have a lot of ammo, don't get me wrong, but I don't think they are as desperate to move up because they are at five, and I don't think they have as much expendable picks as like a team like the Bills do. Yeah, I'm with you. I think there's been a there's been a storyline written about Rosen from day one, and it's by a lot of people that probably don't even know the kid one bit. They, they see a little bit of his personality in the media. And, and I'm with you. There's a lot of quarterbacks that honestly have a very similar personality. Peyton Manning was a little bit more goofy, but he was still that very intellectual guy, very much a challenging guy. There's, there's a lot of coaches that have talked about how Manning was the one guy asking them the most questions. It was almost like quizzing them on what they are looking at, why they are calling certain plays in this certain situation. And and I think that's good. I think our I think our coaches need that. It depends I, I, on the coach. It depends right. on the coach, though. <laughs> that that is true. But I, I think 
and, and I hope you get a coach that that can handle that because yes, yeah, some of them might find that a little bit of a, an ego thing that why is my quarterback the one that's quizzing me instead of me quizzing him kind of thing. But I would hope that you'd have a coach that'd be up to the challenge and would, would want some of that. But, but yeah, I, I like, I like Josh Rosen. I've grown to like him a lot more than I did before. Uh, I, I used to be in that, Oh man, this guy's attitude. I don't know if it can be handled in the NFL. I don't know how he's going to fit in the locker room. And, but the more I've thought about it, like you said, with the hot tub, when he was 18, I built a slip and slide in the dorms when I was 18, hey. got in a lot of trouble, had to pay a huge fine, but you know, you're 18, you're going to do something stupid. I, I don't know any 18 year old male that hasn't done something really, really stupid and a hot tub in the dorm. Like that's, I don't think that's a big deal at all. Anybody that's making it a big deal, come on. <laughs> Either, I don't know. Yeah, there's just no reason to, to think that way because he, that, that just happens. You're looking uh, for a reason to dislike him at that point. You know, right. Just, what, what can I find? Oh, there it is. Screw that guy. Right, exactly. So, I, I don't know. If, if the Broncos can land either of those two guys, I would be happy with Darnold too, especially now that we have Keenum in the works. I, I've soured on Darnold a little bit. Just because listening to him in interviews, like you said, you can tell his immaturity. You can tell that he's just not there like the other guys. He's not He's not ready to step on the field day one. I, I think it would be a huge mistake for a team to expect him week one to be the starter. I think you're going to burn him out. I think you're going to completely destroy his career if you start him week one. There's been other quarterbacks that I've thought the same thing that there's just there there's no way that they're ready. Obviously, Lynch, he was one that was not ready. And I, I think of others that have shown they were absolutely ready day one. Uh, Andrew Luck, he was ready day one. Russell Wilson was another guy that just maturity wise, they, they were up there in maturity. And Rosen and Mayfield, Rosen especially, you can tell his maturity. Mayfield, there is some questions I, I still have. I thought he did better at his pro day of answering questions of not seeming quite as defensive as he was at the combine. So maybe it was just getting around people that he's comfortable with, getting in an environment that he's comfortable with and, and just kind of maybe just getting a breath of fresh air or breathing a sigh of relief or whatever you want to call it after the combine, because I can't imagine the stress those, those players go under. You've got interviews with almost every single team. You're, up at the crack of dawn, you're not going to bed until late at night. And then you're expected to go out there and perform at the highest level possible. And every little thing that you do wrong is critiqued. I, I don't know, just that absolute pressure that they're under and just everything. It just, I can't see that being a great week for, for many people out there. But anyway, for them to then be able to come to their pro day, I think that's a, a good spot to be at. I did want to ask you one question about, just the Oklahoma pro day. What do you think about Orlando Brown and his improving numbers? Does that change anything for you? The thing for me about Orlando Brown's numbers, is not the numbers themselves, like in a vacuum. It's that it shows to me, some, it raises work ethic concerns. You know, it's not like he didn't know that this was coming up and he showed up overweight and struggled in all the field drills and the bench press. He did improve it a little bit, but still, those things, when you know that combine's coming up and you fall flat like that, I mean, that, that's got to be an issue. So 
I would love to have him in an interview, you know, just be point blank. What the heck went wrong? You know, see how he handles it because he obviously knows that it was not good. There's no way he doesn't know. We'll see how in reality he is because if he doesn't know it wasn't good, then we got a whole another set of issues. But I, I mean, for me, especially in Denver where you got altitude is a big issue and he's been playing left tackle. There's going to be a transition for him to get to right tackle there. There is, it's not that easy. It's not everybody can do it. And then you have him being overweight. I mean, we saw today, Zach Banner, fourth round pick by the Colts last year, didn't make it to their team, was on the, uh, the Browns last year and was waived today. Probably done in the NFL. Somebody might take a flyer on him in training camp and whatnot, but odds are that the guys with that size, I just, I don't know if he's going to succeed. So it's, uh, it's unfortunate because the NFL could really use some more tackles and anybody who played tackle, if they could stick there, that would be good for the league and good for them. But I just... I personally don't want to be the guy who would take a flyer on him. Yeah, that's 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 a good way to sum it up. He's uh, I, I just can't see the fit with the Broncos right now. Yeah, and it's just that that's tough to see because I, I was starting to warm up to him before the combine. I was starting to think, especially just the tackle class wasn't looking that good. Of hey, maybe this guy, maybe you trade up into the late first round pick and uh, try to get this guy locked in. And then you have your, your cornerstone tackles for, for the next four or five years. But then he goes and does that. And you're just like, man, this does not, especially in Denver, this especially does not work. And I know Baker Mayfield is trying to talk him up, which, Hey, you're going to do that for your teammate saying that he gave up zero sacks this last year. And that matters more. And, and tape does matter more. But like you said, when you start seeing those other things, that's why the combine matters. I saw somebody, post something about Zach Banner and saying that he finished in the third percentile or something like that for all tackles in showing up of just the, his spider graph. Yeah. And it was not good. It, it was not good. And, and they said, this is why the combine matters. It's not always so much to show what a player is. It's more maybe to show what a player isn't. And right now, Orlando Brown isn't a tackle that's in shape. And isn't a tackle that understands the seriousness of the situation that he's in. It's kind of like, I think I said this last time of, of Terrence Knighton. He never understood the importance of him staying in shape of how much that would mean to his contract. When you show up for uh, an interview and they weigh you in for your physical and you show up at 300 to 380 to 390 pounds, they're sitting there going, we can't get you on the field. We're going to have to spend months just getting you into shape. And so all of a sudden, nobody wants anything to do with him. So same with Orlando Brown right now of, man, you're, you're not showing the dedication that's needed to, to be a good tackle in this league. You look at the guys that have, have absolutely sacrificed. Like I said earlier with, uh, with, with Drew Brees, he sacrificed time with family. He sacrificed time having fun. His off seasons were spent a lot of times in the film room, making sure that he's still in shape, all those kind of things. Like he, these players, they, they go the extra mile. Tom Brady, as much as I hate him, I respect the heck out of the guy because I know he puts in more work than almost anybody in the league. His diet is just ridiculous. I saw him drink a beer the other day and I'm kind of wondering, is that like your first beer that you've had in years? <laughs> because he just, he doesn't let anything bad into his body. He takes very much care of it because he understands how important it is for him to be able to play now that he's 40, 41 years old. And 
so again, Orlando Brown, I, I just, I don't even know how far this kind of thing drops him. Does it, is this a th- day three kind of guy now? Ah, uh, he really might be. He really might be, but somebody will probably take a chance on him day two, just because he has shown on tape and there's just such a need for an offensive tackle in this class, especially. We thought right. last year was bad. Last year had worse depth, but I think the top of the class was a little better. This year, it has more depth, but I mean, outside of Mike McGlinchey, I don't see anybody that I'm super comfortable with at tackle. So we'll see. But we got, we got to move on here from quarterbacks soon, but we probably should talk about the, the teams in front of the Broncos. Albright's reporting it. Eric Trickle, our own Eric Trickle's reporting it. It sounds like the Browns are focusing in on Darnold at one. So uh, we're not really talking too much about him on here, and it's probably because we don't think he's going to be there. And with Keenum there, it's too bad. You know, we'd like the option of Darnold because I think he does have a pretty big upside. He has the arm. He can throw on the move. He's got good pocket movement. He does have to clean up his feet. Now, the winding motion is something that I think he's always going to have, but he still gets the ball out there quickly. Mayfield has a little bit of a wind-up, too, when he tries to throw it deep. So that's that's not the worst, but I just – it sounds like the Browns are closing in on him as their number one guy. And I think it has as much to do with a personality fit with the coaching staff and the team as it does, you know, Darnold being quarterback one in this class. After that though, it's, it's a question mark. Are the giants going to stay at number two? Are they going to trade down? You know, that's, that's a huge question mark as well. There's reports. They love Saquon Barkley. There's reports that they love Quentin Nelson. You know, they, they have a relationship. Their uh, GM has a relationship with the head coach the Buffalo Bills. So there's some interest there. Something could happen. And then you have the Colts at three who are have to be, have to be begging for a team to trade up. I feel like every single Colts tweet is about them trading down with the Bills to get those two first-round picks. Like, their free agency has been bad. They really just want to get a great trade. And they got to be begging for somebody to trade up. And then before, it sounded like the Browns were looking to stick at four, but... After signing Carlos Hyde, stick at four and pick uh, Saquon Barkley. But after signing signing Carlos Hyde, I think that number four pick is open for business. So a lot of the quarterbacks. With the Baker's Plus card, it's easy to get lower than low prices, which adds up to big savings for the win. You also earn fuel points on every purchase, which means you win big at the pump. The Baker's Plus card. All you do is win big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Bakers, fresh for everyone. That we've seen over the past few years, it's not the number one and the number two team in the draft that ended up picking there. Somebody trades up and goes and gets the quality quarterbacks. The guys that are the franchise guys, you know, obviously there's a chance to bust, but the consensus franchise guys. And it's a possibility that the Broncos picking at five, I'm not saying it's likely. I mean, this is, would be insane, but it's a possibility. The Broncos picking at five are going to, could miss out on Darnold, Rosen, Mayfield, and Allen. Now I'm not sure Elway would let that happen. If he sees a guy that he wants or somebody's falling, I see him being very aggressive and trying to move up, but it's a possibility. So got to prepare for that. And, you know, as we've seen, if there's quarterbacks that teams think can be guys, odds are they're going early because there is nothing compared to the quarterback position in any sport. You know, you got to have that guy. So going to be interesting to follow. And I'm, I'm sitting on pins and needles because I'm definitely a uh, quarterback in the first round guy because you're drafting this high. Hopefully we're not drafting here again. 
And I think this is probably as good of a top of the quarterback class as we've seen in a bit. So go get the guy and you can, you know, you don't have to play him right away. You got Keenum who's solid, you know, that's fine, but you got to get that quarterback, I think. And if you don't, I'm going to be, I'm personally going to be very disappointed. Yeah. I'm with you on that. That's Keenum's in for two years. If that. You're, you're, de- you're definitely not married to this guy one bit. And I think the the way the contract is designed, I just think quarterback has to be a huge thought here. And the Broncos have shown uh, they sent seven people to Mayfield's pro day yesterday. I'm pretty sure they sent probably the same seven to uh, to Rosen's today. They're showing quarterback is still very much a a priority. I, they're not trying to cover it up. They're still they're just showing the world that hey, we know quarterback is is you got to get that right above anything else in football. You have to get the quarterback right. So to me, if you got to trade up, you got to trade up. Broncos have the the draft capital to do that. Of all the years for us to be able to to sacrifice some draft picks to move up, this is the year. Broncos have, I think it's the third best draft capital of any team out there. The Bills and the Browns are the only teams that have more. So again, Broncos have the ability to do it. Go out there, get aggressive, get your guy, and you're going to be happy about it. I don't care if you have to even give up that first round pick next year. I know that's that's tough to say, but man, if you get your quarterback, it doesn't matter what it costs you. Look at the the Eagles. I I bet they don't care that they had to give up that first round pick to to go get their guy. The the Rams, again, another team. That hasn't hurt them at all. Both of them were playoff teams. So, you get the quarterback right, you got a pretty good team moving forward. And I don't know. So it's going to be an interesting draft for sure, especially with this many quarterbacks at the top. There's, there's going to be fireworks in those top five picks. Do you think that four quarterbacks will go in the top six picks? I would almost guarantee it. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I agree, Heath, but that's just that's insane. It's, it's hard not to see. I mean, because the Bills, there's no way that they're not trading up. They have Teddy Bridgewater. Is that it? No, the Teddy Bridgewater went to the Jets. They the Jets, sorry, AJ yes. McCarron. Right, that's right, AJ McCarron. So, obviously, every NFL team showed McCarron is not a guy they view as a long-term starter. Otherwise, he would have been locked up for that twenty million a year kind of deal. I, I, I think he might have been a little shocked by how bad his market was. I mean, just people were willing to go after McCown before they were him, kind of thing. So, Bills. They have to obviously get up there into the top five. You got the Browns who obviously need one. Giants could take one. But if another team's trading up with them, it's because they want that quarterback. I just see two or three trades into that top six picks. And if not, you have the Broncos, you have the Jets, who absolutely both still looking quarterback. I, I just can't see how you're not going to have four quarterbacks in those top top six picks. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be crazy and Bronco fans are going to be ticked off probably if they skip on a guy like Saquon Barkley or even some of the Quentin Nelson people, but you got to get that quarterback and it's a deep interior offensive line class. So hopefully somebody that the Broncos like falls to five and maybe they can trade up back in the first round and get a guy like Will Hernandez. That would be awesome. Or maybe because of Adam Gotsis, maybe a guy like Taven Bryan. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's possible. But anyway, let me before I hint at the next part, we got to talk about Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. I spent the better part of last week on a beach in a sweatshirt and a towel, a little bit cold, and I used Audible there and listened to a few books. I've been listening to some of the Dan Brown stuff, which was good. I've been doing, I guess, listening, not reading, listening to Inferno, which is a good one, and uh, definitely definitely good to get a little break from football on the beach. I still love football, and I you can bet your horses I was tuned in for free agency and everything like that, but good to just kind of unplug and, well, I guess you can't really say unplug because I was listening to Audible on my phone, but kind of unplugged from football for a bit and just relax. And Audible did that for me. And I know everybody else has got some spring breaks coming up and give Audible a try. If you got a road trip coming up or a flight or you've got a vacation on the beach or even in the mountains and you're looking just to relax, go to Audible and make sure you type in backslash huddle up for audibletrial.com to support us. But yeah, like we dropped before a little bit of hint, the Broncos have had made some other moves so far in free agency, such as signing veteran Wanderman, I guess you can say, and Tremaine Brock, going to compete at cornerback three. Sounds like a one-year, $4 million deal, but is heavily incentivized. So honestly, if he does not cut it at camp, let's say a guy like Brandon Langley looks great and Tremaine Brock doesn't look great, Broncos could cut Tremaine Brock, and I'm guessing they're going to be on the hook for very little cash. So seems like a good deal, especially if we're moving on a guy like Aqib Tlaib, who, you know, good luck to Los Angeles, Aqib Tlaib. Glad you're not in New England. Glad you're not in the Raiders. We'll say that. But Tremaine Block, low risk, decent reward. You know, it's just, it's solidifying the secondary and making it not as much of a need. Right. He's had good seasons. I, I know maybe this is a guy that Bronco fans haven't heard a whole lot about because he spent his entire career in the NFC. And for a lot of people, we don't pay attention to the NFC because we only play four teams a year from that division unless we get to the Super Bowl. And so, or that conference, I guess you should say, not division. But Jermaine Brock for the 49ers, even when they were a, a, a bad team, he was still a guy that was performing pretty well to the point where they ended up giving him a pretty big contract there for a little bit. And it, it was kind of weird. When he was on like these short-term deals, he was showing up big time for him. But as soon as he got the long-term deal, all of a sudden, he just kind of fell off off the edge of the world. And for all of you flat earthers out there. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. Sorry, sorry. But anyway, he is. He's a guy that has some some upside. I've watched a little bit of him over these last couple of days here. And he kind of, he has an interesting game. He's a guy that takes a lot of risk. He kind of reminds me of a, a poor man's Marcus Peters. He will bait quarterbacks into bad throws. He will be aggressive with his wide receiver. He likes to kind of stay in their back pocket and then use his his athleticism to try to outjump them, win those 50-50 balls. He is a great tackler, very, very aggressive tackler. And so I think he's one of those guys that could fit in well with the Broncos system. But like I said, he's a guy that takes a lot of chances. His last full season starting with the 49ers – he ended up giving up six touchdowns. Now, he only allowed 50% completions, and I think he only gave up like, I think it was like 30 passes that year, but six of them go for touchdowns. Every five passes that are completed against him, one's a touchdown. And and so that's that's kind of the the good and bad, the high risk, high reward with him, but 
could be a guy that also is going to have you pulling your out your hair too. I, I don't know. Have you watched much of Terrain Brock? I remember watching some of him while he was in San Francisco, and he was solid, but nothing fantastic. So, I mean, but granted, I have very high expectations of cornerback play, given what we've had in Denver the past few years, and honestly, what the Iowa Hawkeyes have been producing as well. So, we'll see what happens, but again, it's a one-year incentivized deal, and he's not even a guarantee to make the team. It's just the Broncos covering their bases and bringing in a vet who's shown well and can compete for that cornerback three spot. And I'm, I'm honestly even more excited about the other guy they're bringing in. He has to pass a physical to be signed, but Delvin Bro, I believe his name is, B-R-E-A-U-X. I'm just going to go with that Cajun pronunciation, pronunciation there. <laughs> Delvin Bro from the Saints. He was fantastic for them a couple years ago, but he's dealt with a number of injuries. But he, I think he still has pretty good upside, and Broncos have some of the best secondary coaches in the entire NFL. I mean, from Vance Joseph to Joe Woods on down, even the, I mean, they're not even the defensive back coaches. So you get a high upside young guy that potentially you can get him healthy and right. I mean, that's, that could be a steal. So I I'm really excited about him. I'm just eager to see if he'll pass that physical because that that's the big thing for him. Right. Isn't, isn't he the one that the saints, I think misdiagnosed his injury. Yes. And so they sent him back out there and then the injury got severe and all of a sudden he needed surgery when he should have had surgery at the beginning and it wouldn't have been as bad, but something happened there with their training staff. I remember that. I believe his broken fibula was not all the way healed and he went out there and it got worse. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I, I thought that's who it was. And you're right. He was showing a lot of upside before that injury. So he's coming to a great training staff here in Denver. That's why a lot of players have even said in the past, like I remember with Watson last year, talking about the training staff being a big selling point with the Broncos. So if he can stay healthy, more power to him. I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do here for the Broncos. And and it seems like this physical has been taken forever. I don't know. We've, we've known about him for like the last about day and a half now, and still nothing's happened. So I don't know what's going on there. But that kind of brings us to our next signing. And this is just... Uh, I guess just bringing back another, just bringing back the guy and Todd Davis to help with the inside linebacker depth because we lost Nelson to the Eagles and pretty much the Broncos just didn't have anything else other than than Brandon Marshall. So bringing back Todd Davis, I think this is kind of a, a no brainer kind of signing. Do you agree with that? I think it was one where a lot of people are pretty down on it, but I, I like Todd Davis for what he is. You know, he's not a he's not a guy who's going to be a pursuit linebacker or a coverage linebacker, but in the 3-4, you're going to have those guys exposed a little bit more, and he's great at coming down and taking on blockers and getting off blocks and filling gaps and being an impact player in the run game. And I think every single year he's improved. He's still young. He's been relatively healthy, and you're bringing him in, what, three-year, $15 million, and by the looks of the contract, it would be relatively easy to get out of after the first year, if he struggles this year or something happens, let alone even easier after two years. So I think it's a good deal, especially given the market. I mean, what Demario Davis got paid 8 million from the saints. Ridiculous. That's just silly. I mean, Anthony Hitchens got paid huge money from the chiefs who yeah, another got, Hawkeye. I'm proud of him, but yeah, he got 9 million a year. Yeah. And I was, so I was looking it, at a, a stat earlier today. They were showing the difference between uh, when Sean Lee went out with injury and how much the, the Cowboys dropped off. I think they went from like averaging, giving up only 3.5 yards a carry on, on rundowns. It's like 4.2 yards per carry. 
and they showed when Hitchens wasn't in the game, there was like no difference for the Cowboys. The the defense pretty much played at the same level. So it's just I'm not saying he's a bad player, but to get nine million a year, that is that is overpaying big time. And so that's why a lot of these deals, when when you're looking at, I know some people have been down on the signing of Keenum at 18 million a year. Like, oh my goodness, how can you pay him that much? Well, Sam Bradford's getting 20 million. I'd rather have Keenum than than Bradford, and especially when he's two million dollars cheaper. And Todd Davis, I, I don't think there's that big of a difference between him and Demario Davis that you would double the money to get a Demario Davis. So it's not it's not like Todd Davis is coming in and is going to be this great, this amazing talent for the Broncos as we we've seen. He's he's a, an above average, more like you said it. Of he knows his role. And he does his role well. When you ask him to play outside of his role, he's not that great. And teams have worked to expose that in the past, as we've seen them try to go in their big packages to keep him on the field and then run pass plays out of that down. But Todd Davis, for what he is, he's a very good help. And it makes the Broncos where they don't absolutely have to go inside linebacker right off the bat in the draft. I think that's the big thing is you're... You're using free agency to help you not have to get stuck taking a certain player, not having to go a certain position and reach for a player that you otherwise wouldn't have drafted. And so Todd Davis, he's proven to be a, a solid starter in the NFL. And you, you want to upgrade him. If you find a guy that can upgrade on him, that's great. If not, you at least still have a solid starter at that position. So, Decent signing. It it doesn't really move the needle for me that much either way. But I guess the big thing for me is just what it does for the draft. Yeah. And I, I'm bringing it back to the draft. I really like what it does for the draft class for the Broncos, because I really think this is a really good off ball linebacker class. You know, you got guys at the top, like Roquan Smith and Tremaine Edmonds and Rashawn Evans, and even, you know, Leighton Vander Etch who talk, they're going to go top 40. I don't think the Broncos are going to go that way now. But this is a deep class as well. There are names like Jack Keechy, who has been coming off an ACL, but looked like a top 40 pick before the season, before he got injured from Wisconsin. So potentially a bargain guy there. A guy like Thomas from Florida State, who's tested very well and has pretty good production at Florida State. I think there's some off-field concerns there, but still, you know, if they're going to vet those guys and if they bring in somebody like that, it'd be very interesting. Oren Burks who's a guy who tested extremely well at the combine, put it made a little bit of name for himself. I like uh, Darius Leonard from South Carolina state. And one guy that I'm very high on that I think the Broncos are interested in as, as well is Fred Warner from BYU. So this is a, I didn't even talk about Josie Jewell, who I think is more of a, a day three backup type, but the Broncos lost Corey Nelson. They're going to be looking for that third, fourth linebacker type. And this is the draft class to do it. The Broncos having a bunch of third round picks, fourth round picks and fifth round picks really seems like a sweet spot and I'm, I would be ecstatic to bring a linebacker in there just let it, the board fall and the guy you like falls in the range you like snap him up right well and they also still have the option of uh craven from washington he's more of a they're, safety they're, dog. They, they need a more of a linebacker type i understand but he is that safety linebacker hybrid so i mean if they go out there and, and trade for a guy like that I mean, that, that just that, that's other options that, that gives you more versatility on your defense. And like you said, this is a deep draft for the off ball linebacker, 
which uh, is very much very nice for the Broncos. And I, I'm with you. Middle rounds, third, fourth, fifth round. That that's where you kind of find that sweet spot for one of those guys. And th- there's a lot of them that I really like. A lot of guys that I could I could get behind for the Broncos drafting. So yeah, it, it's going to be a, a great. A great group, I think. This is going to be a time where we can really upgrade that position, especially the depth for the Broncos, and really move forward with this defense in the middle there. But kind of brings us then also the the other big move that has happened for the Broncos is Trevor Simeon is gonzo. And <laughs> I have in the notes here that maybe we should have the, uh, the music hallelujah playing in the background. You know, the hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, that that might be a little insensitive because he he's a good guy, but I it was just it was such time to move on from him. There, there's no way that you could keep him in that quarterback room with the Broncos, and especially now Keenum probably a rookie coming in. You still have Kelly, you still have Lynch. That, that's just too many too many guys in that room. And so to get anything for Simeon, a seventh round pick, last you know one of those comp picks that the Broncos got to get anything for him. I'll take it. And uh, I, I wish him well in, in Minnesota, I guess, or he can battle it out for, with Kyle Sloter for the, the backup position. Seems crazy that he's going to be battling him once again, I guess, if, if you could call that a battle with Sloter. But but yeah, I, I guess what are any thoughts on this move? I think Simeon did have value still in Denver in a vacuum could have kept him probably even gotten maybe a little better value for him. But the biggest thing is you're having a culture change in the Broncos locker room, a leadership shift, and keeping a guy like Simeon was just a non-starter. You can't do that when you're bringing in all these new people. And this former quarterback who coaches had to say, hey, there's your leader, point to him, follow him, everything like that. And then you got somebody else coming in. So you got to get him out of there in that respect. And I'm happy to get some value for him instead of releasing him. Nothing but the best for Trevor Simeon. He seems like a a decent guy, definitely a, an intelligent guy, and hope he has a long NFL career, you know, get to that point where he's a, a vested veteran. And uh, best of luck to him, but glad it's glad that era is over. I had enough uh, Trevor Simeon for the Broncos for my taste, and I definitely am going to suffer from some PTSD, post-Trevor Simeon disorder for at least a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, there's still a lot of it shocks me how many in Broncos country still believe that Trevor Simeon, if you got him an offensive line, would have been become a very good starter in this league. I I just I I don't know. He would have been better as any quarterback with a good offensive line would be better. But he just he's a, a quality backup. He's that kind of guy you like if you have to have a couple spot starts here and there. He's that nice security blanket, but full-time starter, your long-term solution, he just wasn't going to be that guy. And like you said, when you're 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 shifting who your leader is, when it's going to be Keenum or it's going to be a rookie or a little bit of both, having Simeon there, that just doesn't go over well. And uh and you get a, a few too many Chiefs in the in the locker room, it it, it can end well it end poorly. So I think this was the right time, right move. And got at least a little bit of value from what sounds like fifth or sixth round pick next year, which again, that's another part of this is Broncos traded a pick this year. And 
Broncos just have too many picks this year. I, I know a lot of people are, and I, I'm excited about how many picks the Broncos have. But to find room for 11 or 12 people, it just becomes very, very difficult. You're, you're probably going to have to cut a couple guys, try to get them, sneak them onto the practice squad. And so trying to get more value for next year, hey, if the Broncos can do that, that's great. If they can do that with a trade back some, at some other point in the draft too, that's great. So all around, appreciate your time, Simeon, but uh, time to move forward. And uh, the, the last thing I really want to talk about here is a little bit of just some situations that have popped up with the Broncos. Two big situations. One is today they, they freed up Vaughn's cap, uh, cap hit with moving some of his base salary to a signing bonus. And I, I, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Of that kind of gives you some room to be able to add to other positions. And so then you can feel a lot more comfortable when you get to the draft of, of taking a quarterback and not feeling like the, the depth of your team is hurt. But are you hearing anything about maybe ways that they plan on using that money? Maybe some guys that they're targeting, especially for the offensive line, because that's still a place that has two really big holes and that right tackle left guard or right guard, depending on what they do with, uh, with Leary. But are, are you hearing anything or any kind of uh, intuition of what the Broncos are going to do here over the next few days, maybe in the draft or in, the, in free agency? I would be surprised if they did not target a, an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman. You know, Adam Gotz's situation, not going to really comment on that too much other than the facts. He was arrested with a rape charge that occurred in 2013. All I'm going to say is that I hope justice prevails, but as far as a roster-building perspective, that means the Broncos might have to look at defensive line earlier than they thought. So maybe a guy like Sue, maybe bringing back a guy like Crick or Billy Wynn. You know, there's, there's options there that they're going to have to look at, maybe going earlier in the draft than they had originally thought. You know, Taven Bryan has been working with uh, Landau, who's the new Broncos strength and conditioning guy. So they have a little insight on him, and I, he's perfect for their system. Honestly, perfect for what they want in their five-technique, three-technique type. So we'll see there. But there's there's definitely some defensive line depth that needed to be added even before the Gatsas stuff happened. So now we're – I mean, there's, there's potential that he could be done. I mean, who who knows? So I would love them to be aggressive there because, I mean, anybody who's listening to this podcast knows I'm as big of a proponent for the defensive line as anybody out there. And then the offensive line. I mean, I swear to God, I looked at the names of the offensive line, people that are left, and when I clicked on the names, uh, Tumbleweed went across my screen. Like, it is barren wasteland out there. There are some names out there. Uh, Justin Poog, I don't think he has been signed yet, former first-round pick. He's visiting with the Cardinals. It sounds like he's expected to sign there, so that's that's too bad. I'd, I wouldn't have mind bringing him in that he offers you the positional flexibility where he can be a guard or a tackle, and that really helps going into the draft. I think he can play both at at least an average level. And then you have a guy like Cameron Fleming who's out there and uh, maybe Marshall Newhouse, who I think the Broncos might have some interest in, especially with Bill Musgrave having formerly coached him at Oakland. You know, not nothing amazing, though. There's, no, there's not going to be a home run pick on the offensive line. Any Bronco fans that are expecting that to happen is just going to end up massively disappointed. The only way that happens is if the Broncos land a great interior offensive lineman in the second round or trade up. Maybe, I mean, Quentin Nelson, if something happens, I mean, I'm not going to rule out Quentin Nelson at five or something like that, but 
Right now it seems like quarterback's probably the most likely there. And then you have a chance for interior offensive linemen later on. That's that's your home run pick on the offensive line. Maybe they get lucky and hit on a tackle in the draft, but it's kind of you got to get more lucky than good in terms of finding that right tackle in that regard. But I don't think you're really going to find that guy in free agency. So I guess finding just some guys that can compete and hopefully play at least at a average level, maybe, maybe it ends up being Cyrus Kuanjo, maybe Menelik Watson takes a step forward. I gosh, I, I don't know. But when you have guys like Chris Hubbard getting paid stupid money for being a spot start tackle in the league, and then Nate Soldier, who's honestly a average to below average left tackle in the NFL, getting paid the most money ever per season for an offensive tackle, that just speaks volumes to the state of demand for tackles and offensive linemen in the league. And it's it's not going to get better. So I honestly wouldn't mind a wide net approach. Take some guys more than once, stack the position, get depth, and hope you hit on a couple. Right. Yeah, the the only guy that I really see still in free agency, you already kind of hit hinted at him, Cameron Fleming. He played pretty well for the Patriots, but then again, they probably have the best offensive line coach in football. And we saw with the Patriots when he retired for a year, their offensive line just absolutely collapsed. So is that more Fleming showing his potential, or is that more the offensive line coach just making turning a a, a turd into a a gold nugget? That just doesn't happen very often in the NFL. I I don't know. So, and he's probably going to demand a pretty big contract. And I would guess that the Patriots are getting a little bit antsy since they've lost out on a few guys. I know they were in on Nate Soldier, and then he goes and signs his big contracts. They lose their left tackle, and their right tackle's coming off injury. So it just, I I, I don't know. That I I can see him going back to the to the Patriots. Uh, Justin Pugh, what's his position? He's got position versatility, but is he actually a huge upgrade at either position? Kind of still remains to be seen because he was on a pretty bad offensive line there in in New York. And uh, so, yeah, it's getting to be slim pickings. And I kind of am starting to think that more the opening up the cap space is maybe for the defensive line than the offensive line. I think that's where the actual still talent is at. When you look at guys like Sue, you look at Richardson, uh, the, there's just a, a few more guys out there that actually make sense. But uh, that's just me. If you're if you're freeing up that much money that you want to get a quality guy, and I'm just not seeing it for the offensive line. Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's just there's nothing really out there, and that's there's a reason that these guys that are viable players are getting paid record breaking money. They're just if teams have those guys. They're not letting them walk. And if they are walking, they're going to reset the market, you know, every time. It's just, that's how it is. So speaking of that cap space, the Broncos may be smart, you know, to not only look outside the organization to add talent, but look in the organization and extend guys. You know, you have Bradley Roby, who's going to be a free agent soon. Hop on that, you know, see what his, what he thinks his market is and potentially get him, you know, that three, four year deal, keep him on for his prime. Keep him until he's 28, 29. Uh, same with Matt Paradis. The Broncos, you know, we've talked on here, maybe Connor McGovern's going to be that center, but if nobody's willing to bite on that second round tender, maybe you can get him to sign for a deal that's below his market value. You know, the, given what players are getting on the market, 
even an interior offensive lineman. Signing Paradis for you know six million a year, seven million a year, you know, something like that. That could end up being a bargain, and I know he's probably better overall at a zone scheme, but you know teams mix, teams mix and match these days. So I, I wouldn't be upset at all. You know, you got to bring in a few more guys here and there. You know, those value late value guys like bringing in Billy Wynn, Jared Crick, maybe a Marshall Newhouse that can compete and everything like that. You know, it's not going to be anybody that moves a needle for the fans and potentially doesn't really do very much but fill the holes for the team. But long term, maybe getting some of those guys on better deals and you know paying the guys in, that have been in the locker room that deserve the extensions that can be big for a locker room as well. So that's something that I think the team will look at and something to watch. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping they get really aggressive with Roby because, like you said, you start seeing some of these contracts that are being thrown around. Uh, what did Sherman get? Thirteen million a year coming off an Achilles injury. And he's yeah. up there a little bit in age. He's 30, 31. So you're looking at some of that and you're going, man, this guy, if we can get him here for $12 million a year for the next three, four years, that could be a huge discount in the long term of things. I was talking and, with Eric yesterday. He was saying about eight to 10. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, even that, I mean, like I said, I, I, I view 12 million as a discount for a guy of, of his possible caliber. So it's, it is, it's just a market out there. That's just going crazy. It's, it's, it's reaching a point where I think there's going to be that bubble that pops. Uh, I was reading on this earlier about the, the running back position about four or five years ago, it just reached a, a bubble where teams are going, we're done. We're not paying these guys this money. And boom, all of a sudden running backs trying to get paid. Unless your name's McKinnon, you're, you're not getting paid. I still can't believe he got as much as he did from, from the 49ers. That was such a stupid deal. Yeah, yeah. The 49ers have done a couple head-scratching moves and a couple really good moves. I, I, I've i kind of gone back and forth on their offseason, but that's that's for another time. But anyway, that, that kind of happened, and they were saying that with the cornerback market, it's kind of reaching that point where you're getting these guys, even average players who are getting paid way more than you would think they would. And quarterbacks, I think they got to be reaching a, a bubble. You'd think so. But with teams and how much they're valuing quarterbacks right now, maybe that's not the case. But but still, I mean, it's just one of those things where it just prices keep going up and up. And if you can get a guy that's willing to play, take a little bit below market deal, you you jump on that. And even if it's cost us a little bit of cap room this year, you got the cap room to do it. And especially if we go get that rookie quarterback, then it makes those kind of deals all the more pretty gives them all the more ability to, to go add different talent. And uh, so Broncos have some, some options. That's, that's the nice thing right now. They can go in a lot of different directions to add a lot of different talent. And uh, that's not including the draft. So I, I don't know. I, this is, I, this is where I always like to tell people have patience with free agency. I know a lot of the bigger names have already been signed, but a lot of times it is the guys who get signed a, a week later after free agency that end up being the bigger impact or the guys that actually play above their contract. You think of a a Darian Stewart, you think of a Emmanuel Sanders. There's those kind of guys that uh, D'Amato Pecco, he was another one. They weren't these big day one signings that, that got paid well beyond their, their ability. And they paid off big time. And you're seeing these guys who actually do get paid in this first few days of free agency, 
Those are the guys that get cut. You see with Sue from the Dolphins, signed that huge six-year, $114 million contract and only made it, what, two seasons, three seasons with him? Yeah. And all of a sudden, they're willing to take that $22 million dead money hit because he's not living up to the contract. So sometimes when you go out and get those big-name guys, they don't always work out. We, we don't always have a 2014 season where you have Ware, Tlaib, and Ward all work out great. That's not usually how free agency works. Usually the, the winners of free agency are the teams that don't make the playoffs. So this, this is show some patience. Let's see how this all plays out. Let's see the full picture that Elway puts in, in place and, and then be the judge of how this entire offseason goes because there, there's just so much, there's so much still to go. And it's hard to be patient when you're seeing all these other guys getting signed and you're going, what are the Broncos doing? All they've done is sign a cornerback that could be cut before the season even starts and bring back Todd Davis. Whoop-de-doo. Like, that, that's nothing. But, again, two days in. That's all we're at right now. So just have to, to wait and see how things all play out. And maybe they go get a big guy like Sue or Richardson. Or maybe they they extend some guys to make sure that their cap is under control for the next few years. There's just there's just so many ways that this team can go and and see this team improve. Yeah, I agree. And you know, bringing in Keenum and the way this this is a transition. We're not reloading. LA would not say that, or we're not rebuilding. LA would never say that. But this might be a little bit of a reload. And Super Bowl expectations this year, you know, we'll just play it by ear. But right now, we got to get better than five and eleven. And that starts with the offensive line, and that starts with the quarterback, and that starts with guys taking to the coaching. And Vance Joseph's going to have to step up. All those guys, they know that they are on thin ice. You know, the hot seat is very hot. So we'll see what happens, but this is probably as big of a draft as always had since his very first one. And if he fails on this one, then the you know, long-term implications, I'm not sure. I'm not going to be calling for always head, but there's definitely going to be some. He, he doesn't do well with failing, so maybe – Maybe he would back out himself. Who knows? But things are changing, and we just going to have to buckle along for the ride and analyze it the best we can and give you our opinions and our thoughts, and hopefully everything goes well because we are all still fans. You know, We're pulling for this team. But, yeah, that will wrap up this week's episode of the Huddle Up 2018 NFL Draft Podcast. You can find Carl on Twitter, at CarlDumblerMHH, and myself, at NickKendallMHH. Also, make sure you head on over to Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of Scout.com and CBS Sports Digital, to find ours and our co-writers' written content, not just pertaining to the draft, but all things that relate to your Denver Broncos. If you have any questions that relate to the draft or anything like that, please make sure you reach out to us on Twitter as we are very active on there and love to talk draft and team building with anybody. You know, you do disagree with our takes or you're a big Josh Allen fan or you think Baker Mayfield's the best or you just hate Josh Rosen. You think my Josh Rosen take is pure garbage. I'm a pretty friendly guy. I don't think I'm going to bite your head off if you reach out to me and disagree with me on Twitter. Carl's even nicer than I am. So make sure you reach out to us. You know, we love talking the draft with you guys. You can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, as well as check us out on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter at Huddle and at HuddleUpPod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with you guys. For Carl Dummler, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and we will see you next week. Go Broncos and go draft. Mile high huddle.